everyone. This is Paul Dick, owner of Stark Strength and Conditioning, Stark CrossFit. And I am here today with Rochelle Villel, a sports psychology consultant. And uh, I'm looking forward to having her on the show. Uh, I met her, it was about eight years ago uh, in 2010, had her down to the Wellness Institute for doing a, uh, a sports psychology uh, seminar for, for some members there. And uh, I thought it'd be great to have her on the show to uh, be able to answer some questions about what sports psychology is and who can benefit from it, um, what types of, uh, of athletes. And uh, even, even if you aren't an athlete and you may have some, uh, some restrictions or, uh, or something holding you back, maybe talking to someone like Rochelle can help you out. So I'll pass the mic over to you, Rochelle, and uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, Paul. Thanks for having me here today. Um, like Paul said, I'm a sports psychology consultant. Uh, so basically what I do is work with uh, any type of athlete or team, any groups of athletes, individual athletes. Um, and, and I think sports psychology in the, in the past, people used to think of, you know, if you're an athlete who has a problem, you would go talk to somebody about sports psychology and you would lie down and tell them all your problems. Um, but now I, I don't think that's the case anymore. I think for me, my, my goal in, in what I do is just to help any athlete become a better athlete and, uh, and, and do whatever, whatever is needed or required to make that happen. So um, I guess I've been doing sports psychology now for 10 years, um, and I've had the opportunity to work with uh, a lot of different athletes, a lot of different sports, and, and actually even some people that are not athletes, but maybe just exercise enthusiasts or uh, different businesses I've had a chance to work with, which have been really, um, really neat experiences working on performing your best in different situations. So um, I, I've got a lot of experience there. And then my, my actual full-time job is coaching national-level gymnastics, so I'm very fortunate to be able to put my sports psychology into practice every single day um, for several hours a day. So, um, so I guess that's, that's a bit about me. <laughs> so with that gymnastics background, we're going to have to get you back here and help us out with, uh, like you said, you were doing a lot of handstand work with some different gyms and stuff like that. So maybe we'll have to have you back here for that. Um, so how did you become a sport, uh, sports psychology consultant? Uh, so like I said, I, I coach gymnastics and throughout the years I've noticed that a lot of sport is, um, is mental. So trying to figure out how to make it, uh, your best performance when you need to, not just, uh, in the moment, but in, in a competitive moment is, is really valuable. And I, I noticed that just helping athletes to be their best was a daily occurrence and, and working on things like confidence and motivation and, and, and just um, sometimes just getting through some tough spots. So, um, so I went through the University of Manitoba and I, I got a kinesiology degree. And at that point, I wasn't really ready to, um, I guess, uh, quit coaching gymnastics, and, and uh, which I, I didn't actually ever think that I would commit to doing forever, but, but it has turned out that way, and, and I do love it. But um, I was looking for something that would kind of work alongside with that and complement that. So I went back and I did a uh, master's of science degree. There was no master's degree in sports psychology, so I kind of had to do a roundabout way to get there. I took a lot of 
um, sports psychology and psychology courses through the University of Manitoba and also at the University of Winnipeg. I had a lot of great mentors in both places. And, um, and then once I got that degree, then I started practicing sports psychology under some guidance and some mentorship and, and have kind of taken it from there on my own. So when you're working with, you, you typically work with your gymnastics athletes, but uh, who else do you see outside of there that, uh, that comes to look for your help? Um, any types of different sports backgrounds or uh, just, just anyone searching for your services? I've had the opportunity to work with a lot of different athletes. So um, some of the sports that I've worked with in the past are uh, swimming, diving. I've done running, triathlon, biathlon. Um, some fight sports, so some taekwondo, some mixed martial arts. Uh, I have done gymnastics, obviously, um, and then soccer, hockey, football, basketball, volleyball. <laughs> pretty much every, pretty much everything uh, I, I have done. But outside of your actual, um, you know, typical sports, I, I've worked with a lot of individuals on just people starting out exercise programs and you know, looking for a little bit of confidence or motivation, looking at ways to improve their performance. I've, I've worked with some people just who are, who are maybe struggling with a few, um, a few issues of, you know, having some goals but not sure how to achieve them and how to get there. So, so definitely spent a lot, a lot of time with a lot of different people and I've really enjoyed it. So, so it's not just for high-level athletes. This could be for like someone just getting off the couch and, uh, you know, maybe feeling like they've tried working out before, being consistent, or being, you know, being healthier, and just not able to successfully do that consistently. So, with someone who, uh, you know, who is maybe a bit newer to exercise, has a lower, you know, training age, and then has those mental barriers of not being able to maybe succeed or just drawing on experiences from the past where they're kind of like, you know, yeah, I've tried this before and, and it didn't work out, but I'll kind of give it another half-assed attempt and, and see if it works out again, which it probably won't uh, if you're going into it with that mindset. But can you tell us a bit about, you know, something that you might do in, in that case for someone? Yeah, I, I think what you're speaking about is actually a really common thing. And from from the people who don't succeed all the way through to the people who are very successful, everyone has those same thoughts and feelings, and and the way to get through it is is mental strength. And if you can build that mental strength, you you will likely be more successful. Uh, but I think the key there is that you have to build the mental strength. It's not like an easy button, and it just happens. So um, those that are more successful have probably just spent a little bit more time actually working on how to get their mind where they want it to be and, and how to achieve what they want to achieve. So uh, in that circumstance, usually we try to figure out, you know, what, what are your goals? What are you actually trying to get to? And making sure those are really clear. A lot of the uh, failed stories are just because um, th they weren't really sure where they were going. They weren't quite sure. You know, I, I want to be faster. I want to be stronger. But my first question is always, well, what does that mean? You know, how fast or how strong? Because if you don't really know where you're going, it's, it's going to be hard to get there. So that's usually kind of where we start and then, and then go from there. So this is going back to like having, you know, smart goals, specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-oriented. So 
you know, just, I, I do hear that too. Like, yeah, I want to be healthier. It's like, well, what does that look like to you? You know, does that mean, you know, getting eight hours of sleep a night every night? Does that mean, you know, going shopping on Saturday so you can prepare food for the week, you know, Sunday, um, making sure that you're getting in five workouts a week or six or whatever it is for the person. But being, being very specific with your goals, you did mention like faster having like maybe a, an exact idea of what you want for like a, you know, 5k runtime or, you know, even 2k, whatever it is, or strength. There's a lot of different reasons, uh, or areas that you can be strong in. Um, and, uh, and they don't all transfer over. So strength meaning like, Hey, I want to be able to get a strict pull up in, which is what a woman had asked about today, um, here in the gym. So, uh, Cynthia was saying like, I want to get a strict pull up in, you know, how can I do that? And we talked about just meeting for 30 minutes and, and doing a little session on, you know, figuring out exactly where she's at and, uh, and then, you know, putting together a bit of a program that she could follow three days a week outside of classes so that she can reach that goal. But she was very specific with it and said, I want to get a strict pull-up. And she thinks it's cool to be able to come in here seeing other women um, just busting out strict pull-ups. But part of the reason they're doing that is because they've been very consistent for a very long period of time. And, uh, you know, it didn't come easy. It, it came with uh, consistent, uh, consistent repetition of, uh, of the movement. So... Have you uh, assisted athletes with overcoming negative and uh, damaging self-talk? For example, someone who uh, keeps failing at, at dieting or keeps telling themselves they've failed over and over before and probably aren't going to happen again? Yes, definitely. And, and again, negative self-talk and, you know, saying mean things to yourself is quite normal and we all do it. Often I'll ask somebody, you know, the things that you say to yourself in your head, would you say them out loud to a friend? And, and you probably wouldn't. We are, <laughs> so maybe, maybe some would, but, uh, but we tend to be very mean to ourselves. And, uh, and a lot of times we don't even recognize it. So one of the first things to do is to actually realize if, if, you, know, if you make a mistake or if something doesn't quite pan out the way that you want it, to, to not beat yourself up over it, to not, um, you know, well, to recognize first that you're doing it and saying, you know, oh, I did so bad at that, or I, I'm so terrible at this, or I, I'm such a, I'm such a screw up, or you know, whatever it may be that you say to yourself, to actually recognize that that you are saying that, because if you want to change it, you got to know you're doing it first, and um, just being a little bit more positive really does make a huge difference in your progress and where you're going. It, it helps you focus on the goals rather than the mistakes that you've made, and. You know, I've worked with a lot of athletes in the past that are that are afraid to make mistakes, or or you know, when they do make a mistake, they're so hard on themselves. And I, it, in my opinion, one of the most important things you can do is say, you know what? Okay, I, I made a mistake there, but I'm gonna go again, or I'm 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 gonna try it again, and next time I'll I'll make a different mistake, or just try not to repeat the mistakes, but but focus on okay, that happened, and now how can I make it better? Learning from your mistakes, always a good thing. Uh, sometimes a bad thing, depending on the mistake. But, um, yeah, just taking taking into account whatever you've done. And, and just, uh, I guess, one thing that I get athletes to do after a competition, um, usually you hear about the negatives first from them. And I'm always pushing, like, okay, what are you happy with yourself uh, for during that competition? Like, you know, look at all the positive markers that, you know, all the good things that came out of the weekend, usually if it's a two-day competition, and then uh, and then it's like, okay, and then start writing down some of the things that 
you want to improve on. I find uh, like right after a weekend of competition, people want to get back into the gym on Monday and it's like, I want to attack those weaknesses. And it's like, no, you just beat your body up for like two days, go and like, you know, go and, uh, you know, take some, take the week off, especially if it was a two day competition, take the week off and then like, you know, some light movement or activity is okay, but like don't get under a barbell on, you know, Monday because you missed a, a snatch on, you know, Saturday or Sunday sort of thing. So, um, I think really, you know, doing some of that self-assessment, uh, like Rochelle says, is a, a very good idea. So how much do you use uh, visualization and positive self-talk with athletes, whether it's before a competition or even in, you know, even in everyday life, like you were, uh, you know, talking about before with someone maybe even new starting to exercise or, or an athlete uh, before competition? I think we use those things all the time. Visualization, I know when I first, my very, very first sports psychology experience was with vis visualization as an athlete myself. And I thought it was stupid. <laughs> I really did. I thought, you know, what's the point of this? I don't, I don't want to just sit here and imagine all these silly things. Um, it wasn't until a few years later that I, somebody actually kind of explained the value of it. And, and I've had the experience with a lot of athletes recently just where... Sometimes I'll say, okay, well, can you see that happening, whatever their goal might be? Can you see that happening? And they'll say no. <laughs> and so if, if you can't actually see yourself achieving what you want to achieve, it's going to be a lot harder to get there. So the first step in order to actually learn a skill is, is to believe it's possible and see yourself doing it. And then that's where the, the positive self-talk comes in too. And um, just you know, believing that you can do something goes it, it contributes a lot to your confidence and your ability to push through and and uh, and stay focused on on the belief that something is possible. So you have to be able to see yourself achieve it and then also believe that it's possible. Even if it's just a tiny, tiny little bit of belief, it doesn't mean you have to say, okay, I, I know for sure 100% I'm going to be able to achieve this. You don't need to know 100%. But at least 1% of you can, can just a small part say, ah, okay, this might be possible. I think that I could. If I worked really, really hard, this, this is something I could achieve. Yeah, there's, um, I think, if an athlete can't visualize themselves being successful, I know I get to see it in weightlifting classes a lot here. And, you know, going up to the bar, I usually try to get people doing the exact same thing, approaching the bar the same way every time so that there's routine to the, um, to the process. But if they walk up to the bar and they know it's a weight that they haven't done before, so it's, you know, a potential PR or whatever, and they're like, oh, I failed at this weight before and I tried this last week or, like, a month ago and it didn't go up. If that's all you're thinking about and then you pull that bar off the ground, chances are it's not going to go overhead. If, uh, you know, it, if you're thinking about that weight, uh, when you step up to it and you can successfully see yourself doing exactly what you need to do or, you know, executing the movement, whether it is in gymnastics or weightlifting and, and seeing yourself being successful with it and, you know, choosing the, the right mechanics throughout the, throughout the phase of the, the lift or the movement in gymnastics, like it's, it's going to be a lot more doable. But if all you can see is, you know, you're walking up to the bar and you see yourself pulling it off the ground and, you're not able to get it overhead, so you bang it out in front, or you don't finish your pull or something like that, then chances are that's probably what you're going to do. So what's, what steps do you typically take when, uh, when starting 
uh, with or accepting a client, and uh, is the process typically the same, or is it is it different for everyone? How how do you take people on? Uh, most of the time, if somebody approaches me for sports psychology, um, I'm always happy to help. Uh, usually, I'll have a few questions first, and and uh, I kind of want to know, you know, why? Why do you think I can help you? What are you interested in achieving and accomplishing? So kind of back to the goals again there. Um, what I'm looking for when, when I talk to somebody about sports psychology is just an open mind, because I... I think you really have to believe that something is a benefit and, and there's a value to working on the mental side of things. Um, you know, if you, if you don't believe it, again, it's, it's just harder to improve something. So an open mind and, and a willingness to kind of think about yourself and uh, a little bit of self-reflection as to, you know, what are the reasons why you're doing what you're doing and where are you trying to go with it? So, so that's kind of what I look for initially and... And uh, and I'm I'm pretty much I'm very open-minded with who I work with and 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 in what regards. So, how often do you usually meet with clients or work with clients? Do you have like, is this you know, I don't know, a few visits or do you have people that you've seen like year after year sort of thing, um, and watch them develop through like their athletic careers or even just like as a person if they aren't you know a competitive athlete. Yeah, I, I've done both situations. So uh, sometimes it's just a one-off. Somebody wants to come and talk one time and, and, you know, here there's a specific thing. Give me the magic button and uh, <laughs> and fix everything for me. You know, sometimes once really does make a difference. Sometimes uh, it ongoing is, is a little bit better. I, I've been working with one athlete actually for the past couple of years and, and she's, she's the most unique person um, pretty much. <laughs> uh, it's just the coolest, coolest experience that I have, but she's trying out for the 2018 Olympics. She's trying to make, uh, make the Brazilian team for skiing. And she, I, I've been with her since the start. And when, when she first started, it was kind of a real, real long shot. And I met with her and we, we kind of clicked. It worked out. We have a good relationship and, and we've had just the best discussions over the last couple of years. And now her goal is, is, coming through and it's very, very close. You know, we don't know at this point whether she's making the team, whether she's not making the team, but uh, I, I've been with her through all the ups and downs and, and very excited to see where this goes. And, and just having the ability to work with an athlete over that many years, I've been able to see her progress and development. And, and, um, and I've had the same experience with a lot of the gymnasts that I work with too, just because I get to see them as, you know, little, little babies at, at eight years old and then all the way through to a high level competitive athlete uh, as, as an adult, you know, 18, 19, 20-year-old um, and, and more. And, and sometimes the continued process is, is just the best benefit. Um, a a one-time thing is good. It's motivating. Everybody gets excited. Like, you know, yes, I've done this. This is great. I, sh I should be better. But, but more consistent work, I think, will tend to produce a little bit better results. And I guess having that accountability helps too. So if you are getting them to do drills, whether it's visual, visualization and consistent goal setting and stuff like that, especially if people are progressing in their sport, then you know there's there's more things that come up. I was uh, I was just thinking about your your comment on the the Brazilian skier. Do they have snow in Brazil? Like, is that a limiter? Like, I'm like it. 
it just popped into my head like cool runnings in the the Jamaican bobsled team. So that would be a, that would be kind of an interesting story to hear. But uh, um, so, who makes the best client for for you know sports psychology? Uh, I guess potential. I was going to say victims, but <laughs> potential potential clients. So um, who who do you find succeeds well with it, and who you know I guess who might not uh, work so well with it? I think, like I said before, the best clients are the ones with an open mind. Um, when it's not successful, it's usually because somebody just wants a really quick fix, um, you know, an easy solution, and you know, just make me able to do this. And uh, I always try to remind people that just like any other skill you have to learn or you're trying to learn, that sports psychology is also a skill. So getting stronger mentally takes some time and it takes some practice. So those, the best clients are the ones willing to do the work. You know, you're willing to go to the gym and work out every day. You're willing to do your, you know, your, your push-ups or your crunches or pull-ups or whatever it is and, and put in the time there. Mental training is the same thing. You do have to put a little time into it. You do have to put a little thought into it and you will improve as you go along. But, but you know, five minutes or, or one hour once every couple of years just isn't quite enough to be successful with it. So do you typically have quite a bit of homework for people to do? Like, obviously, like you, you mentioned, it's a skill becoming mentally stronger, which is, I totally agree with. But um, do, you, do you usually have daily exercises for people to do with it so that it does become a habit and so that it is something that they, that they believe in rather than something that, you know, they pick up every once in a while sort of thing only when a competition comes around? Or is it, is it something that you're like, you know, the excellence is lived and must be kind of uh, worked on and cultivated every day? I tend to not give homework just because I, I think everybody's so busy as is. And, and, you know, people want mental training to be easy. They don't, oh, great, now I'm going to have to do this and I'm going to have to spend all this time on it. And it's just, ugh, never mind. You know, I'm not going to do it. It's not worth it. So, so I really try not to give homework. But my goal is always uh, at the end of a session that maybe I changed the perspective of the client that I'm working with. Maybe they thought about something a little bit differently, so it, it changes the way that they operate. Um, or it changes the reason why they're doing something. So, so I always hope that something kind of sticks in their mind when they leave uh, a, a session with me. Something, something just stands out and says, you know what, yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to focus on this area. So, so it's not like homework, okay, you know, here, complete these, these three exercises or whatever. Um, it's, it's more a thought shift and uh, things to focus on for next time. And I tend to draw pictures, actually, which is, I'm a terrible artist. Um, but I just, sometimes, the way my brain works, I like to draw things out. And I always send them my, my uh, terrible drawings home. And it, I think what's, what's happened as a result of that, they'll often come back with, the, with my drawings and say, hey, you know, this actually made a lot of sense to me. Thanks, thanks for my picture, even though they show it to somebody else and it really doesn't make sense. But, um, but, but I've, I've had a lot of success, actually, with that. Well, I guess it's the same idea as, like, you know, some cues click for some athletes and you get, you know, someone else comes up and says something else and, and it works for them or it doesn't work for them. But... Um, yeah, I guess knowing the client is going to be extremely beneficial when it comes to that. So, um, 
Do you have any any recommendations for support systems that you know athletes or anyone using like a a sports psychologist could uh, could make use of? Like I know the more the more support you have, the more chance you can potentially be successful with uh, whatever your goal is and what you're trying to achieve. But uh, any any specific recommendations on that? Not really, <laughs> no. <laughs> Sorry, I uh, thought you were hoping for a gem there. But uh, no, I don't really have any specific recommendations. I think if you are interested in the mental side, there's a lot of resources out there to find. And uh, there's a lot of people around now compared to in the past that, that are able to help with those things. So find, try to look for somebody that you connect with. Um, if you're just looking to achieve some goals, connect with other people trying to achieve the same thing. Um, you know, write write some stuff out, get your goals written down, uh, and you know, that doesn't require any other person. It doesn't require any money. You can just sit down and kind of think about what you're trying to do and give yourself a, a, a path or a plan to get there. So that's usually the best start. And and um, and I'm happy to uh, give some references or anything if if people are interested. So. Do you have any any suggestions for some athletes trying to overcome like a fear factor or a sense of intimidation when trying a new sport or activity? Um, reason I ask is because I find that anyone that anyone that comes into the gym, uh, they they have a bit of a reservation about trying it. It is something new. It is something different. It's out of their comfort zone. Um, you know, they're, they're doing this with their body, which they may or may not feel comfortable with. And a lot of times I ask people, like, you know, how, uh, how can we change that? Like, is that something that, say, I can change as a, a gym owner or anything like that? And usually the response is, no, it's just, it's on me. Like, you know, you're doing all the right stuff and asking all the right questions and stuff, but it's, it's you know, on them and, you know, just trying... Once again, something new, something different out of your comfort zone can be intimidating for a lot of people. Just walking into a gym um, and, you know, getting a, getting a membership at a Globo gym might seem a little less intimidating because you're going in there. No one's going to be looking at you. You throw your headphones on. You don't have to talk to anyone. But in a setting where people are coming to, like, uh, a group training gym or classes or a CrossFit gym, you are going to get coaching. You are going to get feedback. You are going to have people looking at you, and uh, and that's not a bad thing. Um, I think it's uh, it's something that uh, that is challenging for for a lot of people. So, any any suggestions on how to overcome some of those things? Yeah, I think it's it's really hard to do something new for the first time, and and uh, when you walk into a new gym, you do feel like an outsider. Oh, everybody knows what they're doing except for me. I'm I'm the only one. I'm going to look like a fool, you know, um, and and you really you just feel like the outsider. But you can't be afraid to try new things. You can't be afraid to just jump in there and give it a shot. You don't have to be the best at anything. It's totally okay to not know what you're doing and and just to walk in and give it a shot. Because once you walked in you're not the outsider, you're now inside. And, and then that's how you learn, that's how you get started. So um, something that I talk a lot to athletes about, um, everyone wants to be just excellent right from the beginning and kind of afraid to make mistakes. You don't, you know, you know, you don't want to look silly doing something. You don't want to look like you don't know. And um, one, of my, one of my favorite things to say is, you know, sometimes you just got to get a little dirty. You know, you, you got to sludge through the muck and 
And uh, if you can do that and if you can commit to at first just, you know, you got to be a little bit uncomfortable. You got to try some things you don't know how to do. You got to take some feedback, get some corrections and, and, and just, you know, crawl through the mud. In the end, you come out of the mud and you are part of that family, especially in a smaller place, um, you know, that, that's not your typical big box gym. It's a family and everybody's there to support you. Once you, once you actually get in the door, you realize that everyone wants success for you just like you want it for yourself. So don't ever be afraid to jump into something new. People will welcome you uh, a lot more than you think. So do you have three tips that you might suggest for athletes to make uh, the most of their workouts or training sessions? I'll try to narrow it down to three. <laughs> um, I have a lot of favorite topics. Um, but my, my first, I think, most important topic that I always go to is just make sure you have the goal and make sure you know what it is. So, um, and, and I try to relate it to just getting in a car and going somewhere for the first time. It's great if you just get in the car and think about where you want to go, but if you don't actually have a map that says, you know, go straight, turn here, turn right at this street, it, you, you might still get there. It's just going to take you a lot longer. Um, so, so goals are number one. I talk to people about quality training a lot. It's one of my, it's one of my favorite topics. And, and basically what I mean by that is when you go to the gym and you do what you're going to do, you don't need to be there forever. You don't need to be there six hours a day. You don't need to commit your life to it. What you need to do is be present, pay attention to what you're doing, get the feedback while you're there, work hard. You've already packed your bag. You've already probably eaten. You, you've driven there. Once you've put a lot of time and effort into actually getting there, once you get there, just do the work. It's, it's not that much harder to just do the work. So try not to, you know, if your coach says do 10 of these, don't do nine, do 10. If you can do 11, do 11. But, but don't cut yourself short if you've already committed all the extra effort just to make that happen. So um, quality training, I think, I is a huge one. Um, and then the third one I have to, I have to pick. Um, to make the most out of your training sessions... If you want to do more than three, you can. Well, yeah, I'm just <laughs> thinking. Uh, I get asked a lot about, well, how do I be more confident? Yeah. And so I think the third one would be confidence, yeah. to remind people that um, confidence is not given, it's built. And so, like I said, some days you, you crawl through the mud, but the more you can crawl through the mud, you're going to come out with more confidence. And it's built one step at a time, one workout at a time. And if you look back, you'll realize that you have gotten better at something, you've improved, and, and that's where your confidence comes from, just seeing, seeing the work pay off and over time realizing that you can do something that you couldn't do before. I like all three of those. The, uh, the goal setting is definitely a, a big thing that uh, you know, I like seeing people do, and I know there's, there's some athletes that say, I want to be better, and I'm like, okay, what does that mean? And, and you have to narrow it down. We have... Uh, uh, vision and goals uh, worksheet that we have here. And uh, when I give that to people, some of them end up filling it out and some of them don't because it actually makes them like sit down and, and have to think about what they want out of it and then a reason as to why they want it. Like, is your, is your why good enough for, for actually wanting to put in the time and the effort for that? And then um, 
I really like the the quality uh, training that you had mentioned. One of my one of my sayings is uh, doing more isn't better. Doing less better is more. And uh, you know you can like you said you could put in a, a ton of you know reps and you know maybe you're you're putting in like 50 reps on snatches or something like that at a given weight that might be a little high of a number but maybe we'll say like 30 reps and then you might be better off only doing 15 reps and executing those to the best of your ability and and getting the adaptation from that um, rather than maybe doing like you know 30 plus half-assed reps and making the same mistakes over and over again and then um yeah, your your comment on confidence is is huge because I see a lot of people going up to a bar, talking themselves out of a lift before they even touch the bar, and it's like you've already lost at that point. So, um, yeah, that's cool. I'm sorry I only gave you three. If there's any more that you wanna, if there's any more you wanna talk about, is there anything that you could think of? Like, yeah, I know I only limited three, but like, yeah, here here's some more. I, uh, just in regards to the the whole idea of quality training and making the most out of your training, um, the coach feedback is also a passion of mine. So um, a lot of times we somebody will give us a correction or an instruction. You know, you, you stand this way or you know look here, do this, whatever it may be, um, and we we give the nod and smile. <laughs> and you heard the correction, and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm going to stand here, and then you just go about your thing. Uh, but most of the time, we don't actually hear it and then connect it. So when you get feedback from a coach or an instructor or a trainer, to try to really think about what they said and, and, and actually apply it, especially if you have 30 reps of something to do, you know, or, or 15 really quality reps, um, to, to do what you're supposed to be working on and really put that thought to connect your brain and body together uh, helps improvement happen a lot faster. Uh, and then the other thing is just to not be afraid to make a mistake. Um, just, you know, uh, while I talk about gymnastics and balance beam, and I've had some really successful athletes who have been afraid to fall off. You know, oh, I'm afraid to fall. I said, like, do you know how many Olympians have fallen off the beam? You know, all of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it, it's okay to make mistakes. It's okay if you need to adjust your goals. If something isn't working out, you're you're allowed to change it. You're allowed to adjust your goals and 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 kind of recreate your path. Um, but you can't give up because of a mistake. You have to keep going and you have to kind of figure out, okay, what's my new path or what are my new directions, but I'm still working on this goal and, and to just keep pushing it through. Definitely listening to coaches. They are your coach, so listening to coaches and maximizing the cues that they're giving you and, uh, and really, like, like Rochelle said, trying to make that mind-body connection and make it happen, not just like, yeah, yeah, you tell me that all the time, and then it's like, I'm just going to keep doing it my way. Probably not going to help you to succeed, but um, yeah, really listen to your coaches, everyone, okay? Um, so thank you so much for, for coming down today, and, uh, and hopefully everyone feels a little mentally stronger after listening to this. Um, how can people find you? So if they're interested in, uh, in you know, using your services and, and talking to you and finding out maybe a little bit more about what, uh, what they can get from you. Um, 
yeah, if if people are looking for me or just looking for some sports psychology direction or advice, I'm I'm happy to help. So uh, you have two options probably. You can talk to Paul, and he's he's got my contact info, so he can connect you there. Or um, you can send me an email, uh, and it's just rochellevalel at gmail.com. So feel free to send me an email and ask me some questions if you want. Um, and uh, that's that's probably your best way. I am on social media, but it's probably not... <laughs> you're not going to find everything on there. I, I, I don't have too big of a presence there, so... Uh, yes, <laughs> good idea. <laughs> uh, it's R-A-C-H-E-L-L-E-V-A-L-E-L at gmail.com. Awesome. Well, once again, thank you very much for, for coming out, Rochelle. It was awesome having you here. And um, yeah, hopefully someone out there is going to be able to make use of some of Rochelle's services and help get you to the next level, whatever your sport or whatever your goals are. If any of you have any ideas of any different types of uh, podcasts you would like to hear, please let me know. You can email me at info at S-T-A-R-K-E-Strength.com. So getting your feedback would be great, just so that uh, I can try to get some different people on here, try to get some different information out to you. And if it helps anyone out there, then we'll keep doing it. Thanks for listening, everyone, and take care of yourselves.